So everyone's focused on the $28 trillion, which is a lot of money, by the way. It's a ton of money. But $86 trillion of unfunded liabilities. I'm sorry. I'm just like wanting to stay on this because we're not talking about the root issue. We have unfunded liabilities in this country that we literally have no way of paying. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Gulliam. All right, we're going to be talking about the problems that you face, the problem that you face today as it relates to your wealth, understanding all the, the outside forces that are, are working against us and, and really hurting our chances to being successful in the future as it relates to our wealth. I had the opportunity to speak in person. I know this is crazy. I had the opportunity to speak in person in Dallas, and it was an amazing opportunity. And what I decided to do is I wanted to be as relevant as possible. I've seen a couple trends and I'll share with you in a second. I've seen a couple trends that I'm like, okay, if we don't understand the problem, the solution doesn't matter and no one's going to be motivated to do anything with their life. I wanted to really open up with a hard, like things are going to change and we better wake up with no agenda to be like, hey, you got to sign up tonight to do this thing. Like, no, I just want people to understand like things are going to change. And so, you know, I just opened that up. But as I was doing research and I was just, just looking at things, I started getting a little bit just, you know, depressed. So I want you to know this. I'm just going to focus on this on this episode on the problems because I think it. I want it to be tight and I want us to be able to share this with somebody and use this as a resource. But Better Wealth exists to help people live more intentional lives. and Problems are real. They've always been around. But if we know them, if we understand the root of the problem, we can better show up more powerfully to avoid those problems and to actually capitalize on it. So again, I'm doing this out of love, but I, I really do believe this. Albert Einstein, who's a pretty smart guy, by the way, said that we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. I want that to sink in because think about what got us to where we are. Let's take a step back and say the same thinking that got us to where we are isn't going to take us to where we need to be. Look at history. There's a lot of evidence to say that that is true. If you're watching this on YouTube, obviously you can, you'll see so, some of my slides. If you're listening to this, I'm going to do my very best to communicate this. Um, I could come up with a lot of problems. I'm, I, I summarize them to, to a few, but I think if you understand the root of, of where this is coming from, I think it will be interesting. So the first, the first problem is inflation. Okay. Now <laughs> I have this gift of like this guy just cranking out money left and right. And it's it's interesting when I showed this, like the room laughed um, and, it's, and it's funny, but it's crazy how much money we're printing. And you could say, you could summarize the major problems that we're facing is because of the Federal Reserve and is, is just our addiction to printing money and low interest rates. I mean, they, they very much correlate. Yeah, I don't wanna get super political. Was the money important? I'm not going to debate that at this point. The fact is we printed trillions of dollars and, and we already print a lot of money every year. And so what does that mean? What does inflation really mean? It, it, it means our dollars are getting less and less valuable, i.e. things are getting more and more expensive. So when Robert Kiyosaki says savers are losers, long-term savers, it means your money that you're sitting on is becoming less and less valuable long-term. I, I did, I've done an episode on the value of controlling money. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your money is getting less and less valuable. To, to have this sink in, and this is, this is something that not, not a lot of people want to talk about because when you use inflation, majority of people are not anywhere close to where they need to be financially to do this quote unquote thing called retirement. So $100,000, let's just use that as a metric. 
let's make an assumption that inflation is goes up by 3% a year. That's kind of like the history of when you look back at inflation. Now, what's interesting is that's super misleading because if you actually look at lifestyle inflation, it's much higher. If you look at things um, like things inflate way greater and people are spending a lot more money than 3% on like a linear basis. But we use 3% because when when you look at just the consumer price indexes and all that, that that's, that's kind of what they use, okay? Today, it's a little bit less, a little lower than that, but we also printed trillions of dollars. And so people are predicting that it could be higher. So we'll just use 3% over a long period of time. All right, so 30 years from now, your $100,000, your $100,000, you would need $242,000 just to feel or just have the same buying power that that $100,000 did. That's over 30 years, which is insane. $100,000 today, what you would need more than twice that, $242,000 just to have the same amount of buying power that $100,000 does today. When over, you know, let's say 70 years, so I did a 30-year-old, when 65, they would need 242000 When they're 100, and again, 100 is a big time, but we got to think generationally, we think long-term, that, that $100,000 would need to be $682,000 to have the same buying power as it would you know, 70 years ago at 100000 This is creating massive problems in quote-unquote typical retirement planning because we don't do a very good job understanding the power of inflation. And we think that, okay, we make good money today and, oh, we can live off of less, which might be true in the future, but we, we also need to factor in inflation. We might be like less may mean more gross money because your buying power of your dollars are less. So are we incorporating inflation as it relates to our wealth? Next, how are low interest rates going to affect you know, our wealth? If, if you look at interest rates and how they correlate to housing prices, how they correlate to stock prices, how they correlate to all these things, it's kind of like a fact as interest rates go lower, the market and other things will increase. But now that they're at all time low, how is that going to affect things like retirements and bonds and insurances? And how is that going to affect things like even like the next 20, 30 years in the market? What would happen if interest rates do go up? Would that affect housing prices? Would that affect the market? Would that affect your retirement? I, I don't know. Like that, These are questions. How is this going to affect our retirement plan as it relates to low interest rates? The, the next slide that I show is, is fear. It's crazy to me how fear can totally cripple someone's ability to think and totally cripple someone's ability to show up powerfully in their life. And so this is obviously something that has always been around, but something that has really become, I've become ultra aware of recently. I don't know about you. I don't know where you're, you are as you're watching this or listening to this, but in Denver, I've noticed something that's very interesting. I've noticed a lot of commercial lease signs. It makes sense. Who wants to lease a commercial building right now? Especially, um, I, I mean, I know plenty of people that are like, you know what? We're actually not going to renew our lease because this whole working from home thing actually was more efficient. It's another example of why efficiency wins in the end. Like people are happier. They're spending more time with their family. They're not spending an hour each way in traffic. And so, so less people, I think we could say this with confidence, less people are going to be working in offices. Now, what, what will the effects be on that two, three, four years from now? I don't know. I have a funny feeling that uh, things might swing the other way because I'm just making that prediction. But it's interesting to me that like almost every commercial building that I drive by, and now I'm ultra aware of it, has a commercial lease sign. 
what's that going to do? Like, is there going to be a commercial bubble that burst? Is there like, are the owners going to continue to pay for that? Are people going to be able to like, what's going to happen? I'm just curious. Next, next slide is taxes. I have a, a, a lovely picture of Bernie Sanders, of AOC, of Biden. It's, it's like a simple, simple statement that I think, I don't think anybody would argue with, regardless of who you voted for, regardless of what you think should happen on taxes is one thing, but I believe we all believe taxes are going to go up. I think we all believe that taxes are going to go up, especially in um, who's in charge right now. Um, I think that's, that's not even something that they're hiding. It's like, this is something that needs to happen. And it's interesting because I showed the U.S. debt clock, and this is this is actually not the most accurate uh, statement, but uh, there's over twenty-eight trillion dollars, twenty-eight point two trillion dollars of debt that we have right now in our country, which is insane. But but what's interesting is there's 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 other numbers that are a little bit more alarming. Okay. Um, I showed everybody that there's over $86 trillion of unfunded liabilities. Now, on the debt clock, you can go to usdebtclock.org. And it's interesting because you, you look down and you see unfunded liabilities. These are This is money that we literally like are on the hook to pay and we don't have the money. I want that to sink in, like interest on the debt. You know, like it's it's insane. It's insane. Medicare, Medicaid you know, war, like all these things that we're like, yeah, we're going to pay for that. We're, we have a liability to pay that $86 trillion. So everyone's focused on the $28 trillion, which is a lot of money, by the way. It's a ton of money. But $86 trillion of unfunded liabilities. I'm sorry. I'm just like wanting to stay on this because we're not talking about the root issue. We have unfunded liabilities in this country that we literally have no way of paying. Next, this is this is interesting. I, I when I was when I was in Dallas, I asked, all right, you have you have someone that's making thirty-four thousand and they're paying thirty-eight thousand every year. Like that's not a that's not a good that's not a good uh equation. It's like you okay, how to be how to become wealthy, uh spend more than you make. Not a great equation, okay? Right now, in 2021, we are bringing in about uh three point four trillion dollars of revenue. Ie taxes, it's about ten thousand five hundred and fifty-two dollars to be exact per citizen, and the money that we're paying is three point eight trillion dollars, which is fifteen thousand one hundred and forty-nine dollars per citizen. So, in other words, we as a country are spending more on interest on the national debt that we're bringing in in tax revenue. Don't necessarily think that is a trend in the right direction, and may back up the fact that. Taxes might have to go up because we can't just keep on printing money. I guess we can, but there's going to be negative effects to that as well. The next slide is uh, some news articles that I clipped. And one of them says Biden plans to double capital gains tax. Um, and another says that Biden is eyeing a tax rate as high as 43.4%. This new economy. Obviously, this doesn't affect everybody, um, but it does affect investors. It affects people that, quite frankly, are adding a ton of value in the economy. And it'll be interesting to see what they do. What's going to happen? Are they going to be incentivized to sell off quick? Are they going to be incentivized to, like, I, I heard this one theory that I think was interesting. It's like um, Biden's making it, taking some disadvantages away from real estate. And so what he's essentially doing is he's incentivizing big time investors to go buy single family homes 
because they can still take advantage of the tax benefits and not do big real estate. And as a result, it's going to drive up the housing and, and make it where people, ordinary people can't even afford a house. I don't know, but every time we make a law change, especially when it comes to taxes, it's just a form of incentive. And it'll be interesting to see what we are incentivizing long-term as a country with what we do with our taxes. So in summary so far, taxes, I think, have to go up. Our country is not doing so hot as it relates to the numbers. And so how is that going to affect our wealth now and in the future? 4% rule. 4% rule is pretty much this way of thinking as it relates to retirement. You accumulate money. You have a million dollars to say in retirement. You can take out 4%. You can include inflation in that adjustment. That's the, the American dream. Save up money, take out 4% of your assets. You can include inflation. And there's a good chance that you won't run out of money or you'll have some type of money uh, at eight in the next 30 years. That's a 4% rule. And they there's people like Dr. Wade Fowle and others that have done a lot of studies on this. The next slide. So I share with people that and, and I could I could start seeing the gears turning in people's minds and saying, okay, that's not even that. That's not the greatest. Like to begin with, the 4% rule is not super generous. But I think most people would, you know, some people might say you can take out more. But I just show, I'm just showing a lot of news clippings that's saying, you know, it's, it's like people are afraid that they're going to run out of money. And there are people like Dr. Wade Fowle that are saying, hey, the 4% rule in a bubble is almost too risky because sequence risk loss is so damaging. And if all you're relying is money in one bucket that is volatile, that could, you might have to take out less if you, want, if you want to have a greater certainty and chance of not running out of money. And so I just, it's like, it's again, there are many people for the first time that were ed getting educated on what the 4% rule was. And then I show them a bunch of news articles that are saying that the 4% rule might be too aggressive. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a massive problem when you think your whole entire life is accumulating money so that you have a nest egg. And then that the whole concept of the nest egg is to have cash flow in the future. And that number is being debated and no one can really agree. And people are saying that's too aggressive. That, that, is a, that is a root problem. That is a root problem that I think should wake people up. And it's something that we don't talk about enough. It's something that I'm, I'm going to talk more about because I think the root of just accumulate a bucket of money is, is going to be less and less attractive the more people understand how distribution rates work. All right, low savings. Um, one in four Americans have no retirement savings and those who aren't saving aren't saving enough. I think this article from Yahoo Money totally explains it to a T, uh, i.e. no one's saving money and the people that are saving money aren't saving enough. That, that could have just summarized everything. Um, I talked about the importance of compounding and control and I pretty much said, guys, the way that the, a lot of the problems are eliminating our ability to truly compound our money and truly control our money. I show a little uh, a gift of this guy walking up an escalator the wrong way and I very much feel like so many of us are doing like doing this. Like we're trying to win, but everything, there's a ton of forces that are working against us. And it very much feels like that. And I, it's just, just what I'm seeing. So then I then I went into money 101. And money 101 is essentially cash flow. Cash flow is king. Cash flow makes the world go round. Cash flow is the the blood that flows in your personal economy. And so you can focus on that. And so you could you could say, like, how is how is cash flow gonna be? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? What are the opportunities? And what are the threats of your current cash flow today? And then your money can only do two things. It's either, you know, gone. And once you lose that dollar, you don't just lose that dollar, but you lose it forever, or it's saved and invested. 
when we come to the problems, I and this because I'm just you know talking all all about these problems, but I want people to understand there's three categories: the, the cash flow that you make, where it goes, taxes, insurance, you know, lifestyle. Are we overspending? Are we being inefficient with the insurances that we have? Are we overpaying on taxes? Or the money that we're invested, are the investments, are the activities that we're putting our money to work, are they going to be able to work for us so that we can continue to live our life? Like those are the three categories. So I talked a lot about the problems with our savings and investments, but quite frankly, a lot of people's problems is their behavior. We want to look at 2001 and, you know, or 2021 and blame it on the government and all these things. And trust me, they're not helping. But at the end of the day, most people are where they are because of their behavior, which is very much internal. And there's people watching this right now that can make more money. Focus all your time and energy on that. There's some people that need to figure out a better strategy as it relates to saving and investing. Focus on your time and your energy on that. There's some people that are way overpaying on taxes and way overspending their money. And yeah, you could tweak some things on your saving strategy and maybe make a little bit more money, but you'd be way better off figuring out how to be efficient in that. And so the reason I want to say that is in, in summary, yeah, we can talk about inflation. We can talk about low savings rate. We can talk about the problems with the 401k. We can talk about taxes. We can talk about, you know, you know, is there going to be a commercial bubble? We can talk about the fear. We can talk about low interest rates. We can talk about that our dollars are getting less and less valuable. But at the end of the day, the root cause can be summarized into three categories. The money that's coming in. Is there any problems in that in now and in the future? Where's our money leaking? Where's it going out? Is that money truly, are we valuing all the things that that money's getting us? And the money that we're saving, how is it going to be affected with the potential problems in the future? So again, I hope you enjoyed. I, I hope that this isn't super uh, depressing. But I, I promise you there's other videos and podcasts that will be able to hopefully encourage, inspire, um, motivate us to be more efficient with our wealth, start asking critical questions. Because I'm telling you, if we just put our head in the sand and just do what people tell us to do, I don't think it's going to work out super well. And I'm not saying that I have all the solutions, but my hope is that I can inspire people to ask certain questions about themselves and what they value and that they can make intentional decisions as it relates to their wealth. That's the goal. It's plain and simple. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to this show, to watch this video and, and to share it with the people that need to hear this message. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.